You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you you maybe already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome back to another episode of the Magna Method Podcast with your host, Mark Magna. Today's guest is Rachel Mariotti. Rachel runs her own business doing personal training and mental health coaching in New York City. Her approach works from both ends, through the body and through understanding the mind. Tune in and listen to her and Mark have a genuine conversation about the power of the body and the mind. <laughs> amazing it's terrible what's going on with you this weekend you're working hard this morning and then you're relaxing i yeah exactly i um i took a running class this morning i thought about you because uh i know you're doing more running intervals on the tread on the woodways i'm trying to be like you yeah that that was it was pretty brutal this morning Uh, my friend was teaching and then i had two clients after and then um what did I do after? Oh, I had to run some errands. Okay. Then I got my nails done. Okay, right on. Party yeah. night. What's it like for a uh, young fitness slash psych person in New York City? Does that mean you're out in the town tonight? Oh, not always. Uh, usually weekends, I like to retreat and 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 do nothing. And some, I mean, the next few weekends are going to be busy with traveling, but. Um, it's usually, I mean, tonight I'm probably going to get an early dinner with a friend in the neighborhood. Awesome. Um, but occasionally, you know, going out, getting home later than midnight is, you know, probably a whole once every two month type ordeal. Right. I'm usually in bed pretty early. It's amazing how that shifts with, with time and you're still a young, yeah. young person, but you know, you're 19, 20, 21. It's like whatever it takes I'll, 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 I don't want to miss anything no your bodies are your body is so resilient uh, in, in in the teenage years you just and you don't realize how much that drinking and going out and losing sleep that really destroys your body and in fitness you know you know this waking up early every morning you can't every little detail that you do during the day and in the evening matters and gives you Either it influences the energy that you have the next day. Oh yeah! Now I'm so strategic. If I know um, I'm gonna have a window where I can go to bed really early, I'm like mm-hmm. a kid in a candy store. I'm all excited. So yeah, I yeah. Like, what's your what, what's your mentality like when you go out? You know, prime one twelve, zooming in on the food. You got all these like <laughs> beautiful <laughs> dishes. What are you thinking in the back of your head for the next morning? Like. I know you want to row the next morning. So what's going yeah. on in your head? Sometimes my wife will catch me counting on my fingers how many, and she she knows what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm calculating how many hours sleep I'm going to have till I have to get up. And oh I'm gosh. and, and a certain I get a certain look where it's like okay, playtime's over. It's time to go home. <laughs> and because, you'll have a couple drinks or no? You don't. Uh, I I mean I'm not. I definitely when I go with friends. I mean I've had a glass. I'll have a glass. So I'm not against a glass of wine and and relaxing with my friends. I'm not a big drinker. I've never been a big drinker, 
But sure. you know, I'm definitely not against this. Certain people I go out with, they they they're big wine drinkers, and I enjoy mm-hmm. spending time with them. So I'll have a glass of wine with them. But um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely not against it. It's just never been in my nature to go out and like get hammered. Like I'm not, you know, that that's it's just because I don't take it well. You know, it's like like I don't handle it well. Meaning, like the next day, it's like I don't feel great. I remember times when I was younger. I mean. You know, you could. I still didn't do it that much because I was so paranoid about my performance, and I knew mm-hmm. that, hey man, I'm, if I'm gonna be lethargic and tired, I'll be slow. I can't. I just can't do that. Right. Um, right. But I just don't handle it well. I know there's some people in this world that can, you know, take it to the limit and feel great. I'm just not like that. I've never been mm-hmm. like that. So how about you? Mm-hmm. I I think. You know, there are extremes and then there's the middle ground. And I will occasionally have a drink or a couple drinks. I, I like tequila. So tequila is something that works for me. And I think it's fine. I think I think it's good to explain to clients who do drink that, hey, it's okay. Um, just do it in moderation, you know, and, and know the... The consequences. I know that it'll it'll affect my sleep, and sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and I don't like that. Right. So, so. I think it's for, yeah. for, for. I'm sorry to cut you off. I think it's for each their own. Like you know, if you if you have a goal to reduce body fat and get in the best shape of your life, it's like mm-hmm. that's one specific goal. I respect that. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is to have a great quality of life, and a part of that is relaxing with friends and partaking in that i'm fine with mm-hmm. that too but just understand mm-hmm. like you you you're gonna have to give up certain things I, and i don't ever tell anyone to give up things you enjoy i don't believe in that right i want someone to have a good quality of life because that's what it's all about i think goals and fitness come down to two things how you feel energy wise and longevity you know living a long life or as long as you possibly right. can so right yeah that's that um how about trainers? The trainers in New York City? I can imagine, like, the scene in New York City, I mean, they must go out a good bit, no? We, I, I mean, the, the trainers that I'm around don't really go out that often. I mean, I guess it all depends on what we're comparing to. If we're comparing to the New York socialites who are out every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it, it's definitely almost the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. And at least the trainers that I'm around. Um but yeah, I mean, we, we know that uh, I think there's a common thought of we have to allow ourselves to go out and, and, and be and live in New York City like we're supposed to and explore and, and meet people and, and have a good dinner and, you know, indulge a little. Right. I think if you don't do that, it leads to psychological problems of you know, it, you're too rigid and you're too uh, military routine like and um, and it becomes this like numbness of just work. <laughs> and, right. um, it's, it's, it doesn't there's no richness to life. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you allow yourself uh, some cheat meals? Oh, of course. I think I allow myself a cheat meal every day. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which, I mean, it all depends on how you structure it psychologically, well, right? Well, wait a minute, a wait a minute. Let, let's cheat- talk about your definition of a cheat meal because every time like, people said, hey, I had a sandwich, that's really not a cheat meal. Oh, right. Exactly. See, a, a kind bar could be a cheat meal to somebody, right? Right, right, and, and right, if, right. You're, if you're the rock, 
you know, 25 pancakes as your cheat meal. So it's like, <laughs> I think I'm somewhere in the between the two. I, you know, I, I guess what is, what is a cheat meal? A cheat meal would be like having, I don't even know this, this could be a, just a, a weekly thing that I think is fine is having, ordering a personal pizza and just mm-hmm. eating the whole thing and just loving it. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what I think. I think usually the cheat meal is like desserts, eating too much ice cream. I think, all right, I know my limit there and that's, that's going to make me feel not so good the next day. Right. At least, at least mentally it's not right. going to. So. Are you the type of person that when you eat something, it'll stick with you and you'll feel the guilt the next day? I used to be. Yeah. I used to be. And, you know, I was telling you before that when I moved to New York, um, this is 10 years ago, I was 20, I was, I was 19 turning 20, you know, this is like the age of where you're still really figuring out who you are and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, exploring your identity. And I used to be so obsessed with what I ate because I wanted to maintain my, my image, my physical image. Right. I wanted to be lean. I wanted to be athletic. And so I would run a lot and then everything that I ate and especially going from, I grew up in Ohio, Ohio is just like very simple. They don't put calories on the menu. You know, everything's much larger when you go to dinner in New York, everything's very calculated. You look at, you look at, you even go to Starbucks and you see like a croissant is 340 calories or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and so that became something I, was obsessed about and I developed an eating disorder which I'm definitely open and talking about now I used to not be I think it's way more common than than people think and I think people are I think people know that now since a lot of women and some I guess some men too posted on Instagram that they struggled with an eating disorder and whatnot but which is great um so I you know I struggled with that for couple of years and and that's really what led me to to exploring psychology and exploring my own behavior and which I later went into in in my career um so I think cheat meals and, and being in the fitness industry oh man when people ask me about their diet I I just I get my brain just like combusts I'm just like I don't know because I need to understand you and yeah. your your relationship with your family and your and your and your friends. <laughs> do you, do you hand him? Do you, you hand him? Yeah. Do you hand him a five hundred page survey and say take this and then we'll talk about it after you? <laughs> I think I need to. I mean, you've seen Tony Robbins. Oh, we both yeah. have ranted and raved about some of Tony Robbins. Um, I guess you could call him sermons. I really think he's trying to start a religion. Right. Um, but he, he talks, you know, there's one woman in the audience. And I, by the way, I, says, I know which one you're talking about, and I've seen that one. Yeah. Specifically, so, the girl yeah. that has nothing to do with food, right? It's the relationship with the father. Exactly. The first question he asks, you know, she says, I'm, I'm having, you know, trouble. Uh, I have an eating disorder. And he, he asks right away, who did you want love from more, your mother or your father? And you're like, yeah. my brain just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I always think to be that good, is it a matter of reps and people and skill? Or is it is that a plant in the crowd? Because that was so accurate and so good. And I've been, I was fortunate enough, one of it's my reps. It's, it's definitely gotta, reps. You think? Really? Yes. 
I mean, because I'm a big Definitely. Tony Robbins fan, and one of my clients took me to Tony Robbins, and I was sitting in the front. He might have put his hand on my shoulder maybe ten times. And one one of the questions was, I got to tell you, he says, "Some some of you never work out. Some of you work out every day." He puts his hand on my shoulder, and I'm like, <laughs> I said, I'm like, all right, Inspector Gadget, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. I mean, that that, that I'm not impressed with that, right? And, and he. He, he spots people in the crowd and he just knows exactly where to go. It's so impressive. Yeah. Wow. So impressive. I mean, front row. Geez. Those, those tickets aren't cheap either. No, they I, weren't I, cheap. I thought about going just they, to just You should just go. Explore. You should go. You'd like it. I did. Well, I uh, think there's one in Miami happening. I'd be, it'd be interesting to come down there and you should you know, go. Hit, a, hit up a Tony Robbins, uh, you know, $6,000 uh, yeah. weekend and then, and then yeah. go hit up anatomy. <laughs> yeah. We should combine it. Well, maybe I'll call him up and try to do, do a collaboration. That would be cool. Yeah. I'm totally down for that. I'm going to hold you accountable and following up on that. All right. This. All right. Um, so I have to go back. You said you were open uh, to talking about, you know, what you developed in, in your eating patterns. Are you, how, how does that start? Because you start obsessing and spending an excessive amount of time calculating and thinking about food. I want to hear more from you, but then how do you get out of something like that? Because my belief, Rachel, is every single person has some sort of eating disorder. Every single yes. person. I believe that. Every or, single or disordered eating. Right. It's a softer way of saying it. And then a lot of people need softer ways of saying things. That's their culture. Oh, yes. So, so I think this is a great question. And, and for the listeners, you know, this, it could make you feel uncomfortable to hear some of these things because you might really relate to it and it might scare you. And that's okay. You know, I think, I think everybody has a unique experience with food and food is a representation of comfort and comfort usually comes from the home. And, and when you lose comfort, uh, you, you know, in a Freudian sense, you, you appease that through an oral facet, which is your mouth or, uh, it could be food, it could be sex, it could be, um, et cetera. So I won't dive into that too much, but my experience was when I moved to New York, I was completely oblivious to what I was getting into. I, I transferred from University of Akron. I was running track there. I stopped running track. And my roommate at the time moved to New York and I was really kind of like I had FOMO almost. I, I wanted to move. I was thinking about moving to California because I have some family out there. And I ended up moving to New York and finishing my undergrad at City College in Harlem. And um, and then I, I started to notice, right, like six months after I moved here, I was feeling lonely. I didn't really have a group of friends like I had back at Akron, uh, where I went to school. And and um, I think it started to manifest, my, my anxiety started to manifest itself in having control over things, which was my workout routines and, and running. And then I became obsessive with food and I started you know, calculating everything and looking at calories and looking at sugar and looking at um, carbs and every, everything on the nutrition label. And, um, you know, it served me well now because now I can just like, 
automatically know. <laughs> I know that this is this many calories and I shouldn't eat that. Um, but I re- remember I started bartending and, and usually, uh, you know, our crew would go out and drink after and, and I, I don't know exactly how I started, how this started, but I remember talking to my therapist and she was trying to figure out when I exactly started this eating disorder. And I, I think it was when I was living in Queens, my second year in New York. And, um, I would, I would go out with the, the people that I worked with after bartending and drink. And then I would get like the munchies and I would go to a deli and then I would, I would get like this, I don't know, I would get like a cookie or so, uh, like some ice cream and just kind of eat the whole thing and try to dissociate from it and just, and kind of binge on food. And then I'd get back to my apartment and then I would kind of rummage through other food and start eating it. And then I felt really shitty after all that. I'm like, wow, I can I have zero control over myself. And then I would purge. But would what, but, but, but do you expect to have zero control over yourself? Like after you have alcohol? Like, do you expect to have no. control? Do you, I mean, cause, you know what I mean? Because I'll you, tell you what. Tell me. Yeah, I think, I think, let's just say 95% of the time that I binged and purged, and let's just, I mean, just to put a number to how many times I have, I would have to say, I don't know, somewhere around 100, maybe under, maybe under 100, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, I, I on the spectrum, I don't know how many, like, I know that that's, I, w- I was still healthy and I never lost weight. I was always around the same weight. And so I, I was always healthy. I never had to worry about myself in that sense. But I think I think 90% of those times or more, I had alcohol. Okay. So if anybody's listening and they, they have this problem and they drink, you, the first way you can try to solve it is to not drink. So... Wow. Um, but also to talk about it and really try to reflect on it and understand where it's coming from. Now, you know what I, I, I guess the, how I started to get better or started to not do that. Um, and just to be clear, these are thoughts that never escape you. Mm-hmm. Any addict, mm-hmm. any addict who, you know, and I've, I have some clients who are, who have been addicts. They, they know that the thought never escapes you. It's, it's just building resiliency and, and creating a new thought process that can attach to the old one. And, and that's what therapy is. But you have to allow yourself to process it. So I, I started, I didn't go to a therapist at the time, which is ironic because I'm now in that business. But I really, I mean, talk about negative self-talk I would I would talk myself talk to myself in such a harmful way and saying you're you know sorry for the expletives but I I, I said you know you're a coward how could you fucking do this to yourself you don't have any control over yourself you're fucking you're a worthless piece of crap if you can't control yourself wow and it's funny wow. because because I would have control over the environment where, where I can eat whatever I want and then purge it at my own will, but mm. I had no control. You know, I had the next, the next morning I'm like, wow, something took over me and I was, I, I couldn't get out of my, that cycle. Mm-hmm. And I would just, just demean myself and say, you know, a true mature adult 
character doesn't allow this to happen to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you got to figure out how to create a, an environment where this doesn't happen. Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's by not buying food and putting it in your house. That's by, I was controlling the, the, the actual physical variables of it. And I, you know, I said, okay, when you drink, you shouldn't be drinking a lot. And so I, I, I did that first and that seemed to have helped. And, and then I started working on the mental side where, where I said, okay, I can accept that if I eat this, it's going to be okay. And I should allow myself to have it. Mm. I should allow myself, if I want to eat the whole thing, allow myself to eat the whole thing and, and don't, don't start to crash and burn. Right. Um, so with, and so you have that, the mental piece, but over time, and this is the more complicated part is that it started to get better with exercising those two things, but also developing a, a stronger social network, more quality people in my life. Um, is that, up. is that, I'm sorry, is that one of the things that you associate when you take, I heard Jim Carrey say something the other day and I know he said this before, but you know, he's a guy who went through long, Love Jim Carrey. yeah, great, yeah. very deep guy. Um, mm -hmm. great. I just saw him on Bill Maher. It was great. Okay. It was an old episode, but okay. Um, but he said, you know, I used to think that exercise was optional. He said, but exercise, rest, eating healthy. Uh, movement, sleep, those things aren't optional. Like you have to do those things to maintain a positive life. He said, if you don't do those things, you'll be left with the rest of life. It was a bit of Jordan Peterson, which is pain, misery, and suffering. Right. He said, you have to right. do those things. So my question to you is, do you think that the, the outside world, the world surrounding Rachel needed to be upgraded significantly for you to be in a better place? Absolutely. I, I Absolutely. I think we are, human beings are, are very, very detailed, unique instruments. And energy, I'm not speaking of energy in a spiritual, you know, yoga sense. No offense to yoga people. I just kind of categorize them and, and you know, I'm up for, I'm up for our argument on that. But, um, I'm not, I'm talking about energy as in actual physical or the energy of, that, that pertains to physics. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone says something to you, there, there, it literally el elicits an emotion from you. Mm -hmm. That's energy. Right. That's energy. And, and anything that happens in your environment, um, it, it, it's, it sends out your, your body sends out signals, whether it's from in, coming from your prefrontal cortex or it's coming from the center of your brain, your limbic system. Usually they're both happening at the same time. It's causing something to happen in, inside of you, your environment. It could, you know, in New York city, there's a lot of stimulus. So that energy moves through you and you have to, you have to really get used to it and be efficient in order to tune that out and, and, and save your energy. And that, that happens with people too. A lot of people in this city, and you get an understanding of whether they're genuine or not based on how you're built. And I think, you know, 
there are there are different ways of really finding a grounded be, becoming a grounded um, person and, and establishing your equilibrium. A lot of it has to come from with with within you, and that that usually goes. It comes down to acceptance, mm-hmm. and an acceptance of. Now, this is where an analyst would come in, a psychoanalyst or a therapist. Can you, are you aware of certain traumas that you've experienced in the past, and have you accepted them? That's that's the bigger wave of becoming a more mature, responsible adult. Now, the the the, the softer acceptances are, okay. Um, do I have to look? Do I have to have a six pack? You know, do I have to have this or do I have to have that? Um, those come with internal dialogue, which, you know, Peterson really talks about the layers of thinking where, you know, we all have a reaction to things that we hear just as the listeners have a reaction to what I'm saying right now. Mm -hmm. But critical thinking is the second layer or the third layer, the thinking about your thoughts. What reaction are you having right now? Understand that reaction. And so that's when I, I, I started to peel away those layers when I was going through this. And, um, and then I, as I was saying, you know, when establishing, I think this matters for any young adult in their early 20s. And any adult, you know, I, I guess when you get into your 30s, hopefully you have more um, peace of mind with your financial situation and et cetera, relationships and whatnot, you know, in my 20s, I, I was establishing my social network, my financial stability, um, you know, my 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 routine with exercise and nutrition, and trying to create balance. And I think I think the really big piece here that I try to talk to clients about, both personal training and mental health, is that quality relationships are a big big factor in our mental health in that are people really listening and understanding you that is so that is that is so that has been like the highlight of my last two months and i think i think we like to think that they are but are they no because it makes it it because it makes us feel better it makes us feel better that they are but when you sometimes i'll sit in a place uh you know, in my home, and I think, does this person understand who I am, and like, why? And by the way, I and I'm not talking about, hey man, listen to me. What I have to say is important. That has nothing to do with it. Understanding what I'm saying, it, why I'm saying it, and even if you agree to disagree, placing value in what I say because it's coming from me, and we have a close relationship. That's it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Then, and then the people that say, you know, I don't want to deal with any of that shit. Well, then, are are you friends? I mean, I don't know. If, mm-hmm. I don't think we're really friends then, because friends kind of accept each other for who they are and offer support. And I believe, not only, you know, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but not only are friends there to call you on your bullshit and say, "Hey, man, that's not cool. Work on that." But they're kind of there to hold you up and build you up. And I'm not talking about BSing you. I'm talking about hold you up because they are your friends. Because if you don't have them to do that. What else is there? Right. What do you think? Right. Yeah. I, 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 there's a lot to say about this. I think, 
I think we've gotten lazy in as as a as a social socially connected society on on really what it means to have support and 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 understanding how that support changes you and makes you a better person. Um, uh, it's easy to get lazy, and I I I I, I somewhat can't put all the blame on people and that they become lazy because the, there are these new, new hmm. infrastructures in our lives with technology and, and phones and, and the internet and just making it easier to communicate with, with such brevity. And so I think we're still kind of in shock that this is like how we're, we're um, connected now. And, and then the more people we could be connected to, it might mean more, the more support we have, but really what mental illness comes from viscerally not feeling like you're understood and, and not, and not supported. And a lot of people struggle with anxiety and, and depression. And it's because they don't realize that they're, they're not letting themselves get connected to themselves and, and they're not allowing other people to get connected to them. Mm. And so it's 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 a tr- it's a tricky situation. I I held up an ideal of what a best friend is, based on who I hung out with in high school, and I had this one best friend, and I'm still good friends with her. And we would go after go over each other's houses after school and after practice, and we would play video games and we'd have deep conversations, and that was all throughout high school. And I was like, that's amazing. That's consistent. I have that you know our families know each other like we go out uh, we do everything together we have our each other's backs and then like take that I- ideal and go to new york good <laughs> luck good luck oh, you know oh yeah good luck well if you'd like to tr- trade it in for miami do, do you think <laughs> Man, it, what a perfect yeah. what a perfect segue i yeah. like threw up a, the assist and you're just like yeah. let me slam dunk this yeah one. Uh, because uh, miami <laughs> is like if you can help me, yeah, we're great friends. If you can't help me, I really can't return your text message. It's like yeah. I've never seen. I just today, one of my teammates from college came by the gym to say hello um, earlier today. And just being around him, obviously for the history, the bond, the connection, but I was so mm-hmm. happy. And we were just talking. Like I saw him yesterday. I probably haven't seen him in ten years. That's not true. Maybe six years. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, you know, I was surrounded by guys that whatever they say. How often in life are you surrounded by people if they say they're going to do something, you don't even question it. They're going to do it. He said he was going to be there at. Uh, I think it was like you know, one thirty whatever. He was there at one twenty nine. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing mm-hmm. because that doesn't exist anymore. And then if I say, "Hey, man, you got to be punctual. You got to be on time." Whatever. As I say that, I was I was setting up our podcast late. But anyway, mm-hmm. the 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 funny thing is, you know, if I speak to that, I'm old school, and I'm a ball buster, and I'm insensitive, mm-hmm. insensitive, and I'm not empathetic, mm-hmm. and I always think, God, man, like. Does anyone do what they say and say what they mean nowadays? Like, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Right. 
Right. Sorry. No, it's sidetracked. No, I don't think I don't think you're. I mean, I guess it could come off as old school, and the fact that you read books and you know, know. maybe maybe that's old school too. I I I think uh, actually I'm around a lot of trainers who read books, and I think that's a good sign. Um, there was a girl, I guess as a as a tangent, um, there's there was a girl training uh, one of my. One of the other trainers was it's his client, and she was like, he told her something to do, and then she did something. You know, she was following the circuit, and then they were back at back at the top of the, the circuit, and she's like, "Wait, what are we doing?" And she's like, "My my memory is so my memory is so terrible. I need to work on my memory. I'm gonna take memory pills." I was like, "Wait, there there are memory pills?" Memory pills. And she's like, "Yeah, they help your memory." And I was <laughs> I said. I think you you need to get you need to spend less time on your phone and probably read some books or something. I think you can train your own memory to get back to get back to normal. But I, I'm no you know I'm not. Well, uh, can I can I know, tell you? I, it's funny you say that because do you know what's a major contributor to um, concentration issues? I mean, it has to be cell phone use. Well, aside from cell phone use, energy, okay. energy drinks, energy supplements. Oh God! I could probably cool it on the caffeine. I drink probably three coffees a day. Well, that co- probably doesn't. Help. We know coffee can be a positive thing, but it's like anything else. Coffee's good for me. Yeah, but you drink three pots of it. I don't know if that's right. good for you. You know, like. Well, I, don't, I don't drink three pots. Just to be clear. Right. <laughs> no, no, she didn't. But that's what I mean. Like, like okay. an energy drink helps you focus, but people have this hyper focus with an energy drink. But if you drink yeah. the energy drink every day, twice a day, guess what? When you don't drink it, your concentration shit. Because yeah, here's, now, here's, yeah. now you go need ahead. it. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I here's what I want to say. Just to, uh, maybe uh, a slight non sequitur into into medication and 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 treatments for stuff like that. I, I used to be against medication, especially when it comes to anxiety, depression. Now, if you have a psychotic disorder. Uh, like schizophrenia or um, even bipolar, you, you you should probably be on medication, and that and that's okay. But you know, I I know plenty of people who who have ADHD or um, who struggle from anxiety, and and they need the medication. And mm-hmm. and you know, I've I've have I have several clients who have been on different medications. Um, some of them had already been on medication before they saw me as a therapist, but sometimes it's it's worth revisiting. Okay, is this the right medication? Are you sure? You know, have you talked to your psychiatrist? You know, there's there's a lot that people can learn about this stuff, mm-hmm. and and a lot of it comes from. I was just talking about this yesterday with um, two two buddies of mine who I worked out with, and we all had lunch after. Which is another beautiful thing, by the way, having lunch and sitting down and talking to each other. That, that's I mean, cool. That's such a, it's that's such cool. a great thing. Man, that, man, you're old school. <laughs> I'm so old school. I, I should know. be reading the Wall Street Journal in the morning. Um, <laughs> so I, we were just talking about how how a lot of people don't know about medication. We were all talking, you know, I don't take any medication um, just for full transparency, but, you know, both of these guys had talked about how they had in the past. And these are grown men who are aggressive in the gym. And I think 
and I they talked about how it helped them and um I think it helped that both of them knew that they they had a history with it and they they knew that I'm in mental health so it it allowed the conversation to happen so it's I hope people that are listening to this if they're if they are struggling with any mental illness or ADHD that it's okay to go get medication mm-hmm. you know it's just mm-hmm. try it and, and and this is what peterson says peterson you know says you know if 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 you don't like it then then stop taking it if it doesn't work for you then stop taking it it's not you're not going to change your entire you're not going to become this alien right you know you you're all, you you might become more of who you are mm-hmm. and 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 you might find stabilization through it and i think that's great you know so all the more to it i now there there is there is abuse of certain medications that that's just the that's just the world of capitalism you know yeah so so i was training i, a, I was training a girl once and she said um well you you she she looked at me and she said well of course you've taken adderall when you work out right and i said why would i take adderall when i work out she's like duh it's like the best workout ever and i'm like duh i don't need adderall to pick up weights like the fact right. that you think or maybe she did you know maybe she really did but i was thinking why on earth would you mesh something like that with a workout now granted if she absolutely needed it as you're saying of course i understand but it sounds like it was pre-workout on top of adderall on top of the next thing just to right. hype, make everything like super sensitive and incredible but i was thinking you, everyone must know that if you don't have a, some sort of uh, diagnosis where you need that, you have to know that right. what goes up must come down. And when you come down, it's usually not the most fun of a ride. Right. Totally. Is that true? I, I, I mean, just like anything else, right? Any, any extreme of one thing, uh, you take it away and it's, it's a withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I... You know, you see this with people that do the whole 30, you know, that they do the whole 30 diet and they eat everything clean and they don't eat any sugar and then they go back to normal. Maybe they do a week transition into a normal diet and then all of a sudden their bodies aren't used to having, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bread or whatever. And and then it throws their whole GI tract off and and your body's really smart and detailed. Just because we can't see what's going in, what's what's happening in our in our bodies, doesn't mean that there's no reaction or no memory of that. You know, this this I mean, there's so much science that's still trying to explain what what our bodies are doing. And the same thing with the brain. It's amazing how much more we need to figure out about our brains. So I, um, yeah, th- th- there's a whole bunch of neuroses, uh, that can be discovered by just watching people in the gym and fitness and, and, you know, people taking Adderall to work out. I mean, come on, what is that about it? Hopefully it was to get through college and do better in school. And, uh, you know, at one point, but that, that, that is definitely in the category of potentially being abusing the drug you know so you said you took it in college no i was just explaining 
that the girl that you mentioned might have used that in college to get through it and, and do well in her exams. Uh, and in terms of studying for hours at a time and staying focused, uh, and now it might be in the category of abusing the drug mm. if you're using it for your workouts. So I did not, I did not take Adderall, mm. and I don't even think I knew about Adderall. I, I, maybe I, I'm not sure. I, if I had known about Adderall in school, maybe if I were to enter school now, given that my brain has been programmed with like with digital uh, communication for the last 10 years, I might need Adderall at this point. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. If I were to go to a PhD program for psychology and I need to study and read and do research for hours at a time, I might need Adderall. I'm not sure. Oh. I'm not opposed to it. But my brain is definitely, I, I can tell my brain is, the only time my brain really focuses is in the morning when I have no distractions and I could sit there and read. Um, usually when I have caffeine, it starts to get a little haywire. And then sometimes at night, if I know that I, I make it, I make it a habit. I put my phone on mute after a certain hour. I just don't answer anybody anymore. Wait a minute. And that just makes me feel good. Yeah. You feel like you're taking your life back, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's a nice like ending winning. to my day. Yeah, like I'm not. I don't need to respond to you after eight o'clock. That is now old. I think that's old school. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely old school. And but, if I worked, you know, if I worked at Goldman Sachs, I probably shouldn't do that. But <laughs> that's so. funny you say that. I know one person that's going to listen to this and laugh when you after you you said that. That's funny. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, I. I, I guess I'm that's sure. true, though. That's true. It's just. Yeah. You know, I try to tell people like you don't have to respond in two seconds, but there's a difference between waiting 24 hours to respond to a text and waiting an hour or two. Do you understand that? Like, like I'm not going to be upset right. with my team if they don't respond immediately, but right. I will be upset if it takes 24 hours to get back to a text. I mean, let's not get ridiculous. We do live in right. a society here. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. By the way, definitely. You said it. You get jittery, uh, or no? I said that. You said it gets chaotic, or what? I don't know. What uh, yeah, with, with I said coffee. it got. It gets haywire. Yeah, chaotic yeah. is another word. From from what? Like you get like kind of jittery and all well, over I, the place, maybe. I wouldn't say I get chaotic. I mean, there are plenty of things in New York that can make you feel like you're in chaos. Mm -hmm. But I think I have it. I think, I mean, listen, I'm all up for uh, science and disputing my routine and into biohacking and, and figuring out a better better way. I've listened to plenty of Tim Ferriss and Ben Greenfield and all the biohacking do methods. Do Dr. Rhonda Patrick. I didn't listen. I don't, I don't listen oh, to her. Oh, man. God. I'm, my goal is to no. get, get her on the show. If I get her on the show, I promise you, you're gonna to have to listen to the show. She's a biohacking expert. Not biohacking. She's more of a she's more science and doctor, but she's got a lot sure. of great, great stuff. But I'm sorry to interrupt. Please, Tim. Yeah, Ferris. no, I think I I think so. When it comes to caffeine, I think you don't need the Whoop Watch to let you know that this is <laughs> making you making you sleep uh, poorly. Mm -hmm. I think 
I can feel if I drink a coffee after five o'clock, which I have many days, um, 5 p.m., because yeah, in your world, after 5 a.m. is pretty late. <laughs> you Hold on. You um, have a coffee after 5 p.m.? Yeah, I'll have a coffee after 5 p.m. So I'm, I have a double espresso. Uh, that's just me. And that's just, that's just, okay. I could still pass out at 9 p.m. Um, okay. It's probably because I'm immune to, to caffeine. No, that, which mean, is, that means you're a fast absorber. That's what that means. I'm a fast absorber. Yeah, I feel a high right away, and and then I'm I usually after 5 p.m. I need it just to get through the next couple of hours. And by the time I get home, I could I can't. Sometimes it's different. My brain, uh, my the front of my head. I have my hand over my head, like doing like a mind meld, like in Star Trek, over my head. Mm. Um where I could feel like I'm starting to get dehydrated and I can't necessarily focus. I could feel that after after 5 p.m. coffee. Now, if I eat something that's kind of higher in fat with the coffee, it doesn't, it feels much better. My head doesn't hurt as much and I can actually focus. So there is something to be said about the bulletproof coffee and putting butter in it or whatever people do. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily recommend this routine for people who are listening, but there actually is a good article I just read about sleep and and how caffeine can affect your sleep, even if even if um, you feel like you're getting a good sleep. I think sleep is such a good – such an undiscovered – I mean, it's, it's not undiscovered, but it's, it's underrated um, – on how we we know so little about sleep and how how much it can do for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somebody just asked me the other day i get dms i'm sure you get dms all the time from people that just want some training advice or oh um, yeah some people abuse that like you can't ask me questions every day okay <laughs> like ask me once <laughs> one, ask me one every month like the, the thing is just they, because i give you an answer yeah they don't think they that i don't think they understand that that's what you do for a living like the, right. the other day, I got a message where, "Hey, Mark, uh, I'm I'm from New York. I'm gonna open up a gym in Miami. I want to pick your brain." It's kind of like, well, I mean, if I own McDonald's and you're across the street and you own Burger King, I'm not so sure it's in my best interest to give you everything that <laughs> took me thirty years to learn. Although right. I want to help you and be a good human being, at the same time. What am I supposed to do to help you when I'm still trying to figure it out? Right. You know. So how did you handle it? I haven't. I haven't handled it yet. It's still in my DM. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I'm probably gonna say. I don't know. Um, how can I help you? Or more, more along the lines of, dude, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. I wish I could. Right. You know, because and that's not being humble. Like I'm. Every day something happens where I have to call my business partner or something because he's smarter than I am. So. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, I, th- there was a, a guy that asked me, you know, he's going on a weekend trip. His, his knee is bothering him. Is there any, his quad is super tight. Is there anything that he could do before his softball game tomorrow? I'm like, honestly, I think what the, the most accessible thing you could do is, is not, not overuse it. Don't overstretch it and just get a good night's sleep. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Just get like simple human stuff. Just get a good night's sleep. Um, That's good advice, though. The most basic things help the most. It's true. 
Yeah, and it, it's tricky because it could be a slippery slope, and I, I have to always give give you know a disclaimer of I'm listen. Not, I'm not right. I'm not an ex. I'm not like I'm not the the quad expert. You know, like I, I'm not sure. Um, or, how, and, or how about assessing someone over the internet saying I have this injury, I have a uh, L three L four, and what exercises should I do? I'm like, dude. To give you any information would be the most careless thing in the world. Really. Right. It really would because there's got to be, if that's wrong with you, there's got to be 10 other things wrong with you. I can't see you. I can't touch you. Like, I don't know what's going on with the yeah. way you move. And to give you advice would certainly, would immediately qualify me as someone who's careless. Right. You know? That's what I think. Def- you know? Yeah. I, I think that's a good way of handling it. And letting them know that they should seek an actual doctor. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually the first thing you learn in, in any kind of like 101 training or 101 uh, CPR, you know. Just if you don't know what you're doing, just find find the expert, mm-hmm. the doctor, usually mm-hmm. a doctor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, by the way, I wanted to ask you, how did Todd Anderson do in that training session? Did he finish? Don't tell me the truth. Did he finish that session? Because it looked tough. Wow. Wow. He's, he's going to be pissed when he listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Todd, so I'm, I got to know. Did he finish? He's in much. I mean, Todd. he's always in big, great shape, but now he looks like a fitness model. Did he finish the training session, though? I mean, he was after we after we worked out. He was like super ready for the picture. You know, like, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He did a great job. He just moved to New York. He's adjusting. It's, it's been six weeks, I think, since he moved here from Chicago. And oh yeah, great oh. trainer. His wife's an Olympic athlete, former Olympic athlete, swimmer, mm-hmm. and so he's just in the mindset of training hard and and yeah, I think I think. Six weeks into New York and adjusting here is um, not an easy thing to do, but he, we made sure we got a workout on, on the schedule, and we did a crazy Jim Jones workout. Um, and it, it looked tough. It looked tough. It was tough. Yeah, it was. You know, it was three rounds with two minute skis each round, and then the second three rounds we were doing two minutes on the airdyne and trying to get a certain um calorie count on each thing and it was it's just uh it, all the jim jones workouts are a little bit uh a lot a bit mental and oh yeah it's and, all psychology with the jim jones man you really have to go so, that's the thing that's the thing about like i don't know how todd trains the first time i ever trained with him right but i at least know he worked out with you so i'm like okay well at least he's a. Uh, for what I know, he, he likes the anaerobic 20 seconds and under pushes, you know? Oh, yeah. Which which was, this was a little bit of a change-up for him. So it's it's nice to nice to be thrown into the the fire pit. Mm. Well, the first time, when I went to Chicago, to, I had to speak in Chicago. I went by to see Todd, and we did hit a mm-hmm. ski 30 on, 30 off. So he went for 30, is five seconds of transition uh-huh. time. He went for thirty. I think we did it for forty minutes. It was it was interesting. He did great after he got adjusted. I mean, Todd is a ter- he's a beast. Yeah, terrific athlete. By the way, I mean he played. And he played. He played in the NFL, right? I think he. Uh, I know he went to camp with the Rams. I mm-hmm. don't know how long he played, but he definitely went to camp with the Rams. And just regardless of that, 
he is a very good athlete, like very good athlete. Totally. And he's also a great guy, and I've known him for a long time. He came to work at Equinox back in the day, and I immediately hit it off with him. He's a good, good dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we were talking the other day. He was telling me about that. I yeah. totally forgot there was some overlap in Equinox, in his, Equinox days. Right, and his wife is an awesome person, and she's like – I remember one time I did a pull-up contest with her. I think – I know, but I don't know. I think I beat her by one pull-up. One pull-up I beat her by. Jeez. So how many pull-ups is that? I think it was, but they were dead hang real pull-ups. Like they were all the way down, pause, <laughs> okay. all the way up. They were real pull-ups. I think, I'm pretty sure she did 20. That's a lot of pull-ups. Yeah, she's a, she's, a, she's a monster. And I also went to swim with her at the University of Miami once, and I almost died. So because she was having me do drills, I'm like, my quads and hip flexes are cramped up. I can't even move. But I thought it would be Jeez. fun to swim with an Olympic athlete. And she's an no. awesome person as well. I haven't met her. I heard great things. Yes. Swimming is a swimming is another whole other animal. Oh, yeah. I, I've I've stayed away from the pool and probably for good reasons. I just don't I just don't I'm not good at it and I'm I'm not really that interested in it, but maybe it's because I'm not good at it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I know that well. But and the know, breathing. I mean, they talk about the breathing, and you, you know, you can't nasal breathe in swimming, from what I understand. I mean, I guess there's some uh, exhalation through your nose underwater, but I, I just don't. That that's one thing that kind of keeps me away from it. The rower I can handle, running I can handle, the ski erg even, learning the breath work for that. Um, do you do any uh, um, belly breathing or di- diaphragmatic breathing? I I do actually. I did several PRI sessions, which is postural restoration. Oh, did you do? Yeah. Did you go to the class? I didn't go to the class. I just actually worked with a PRI coach. Okay. And bought like seven or eight sessions with him, and did all the funky stuff. Like he he has a different approach. This guy Mike Zhao. Um, and he's a little bit of a crazy guy okay. and you know, likes to curse during his sessions and, and gets you kind of in the zone and, 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 and reinforces your, the, the good work that you're doing. And, um, you know, I learned a lot through just through doing sessions with him in terms of diaphragmatic breathing and how important your diaphragm is. And so that, that was one, um, you know, one avenue of breath breath work that I went down. I did some holotropic breathing work with another PRI coach, but this was more for meditation and 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 then off the deep end doing psychedelics. So this is a whole another psychological experience that might be should be reserved for maybe a separate podcast. But really, wait, wait, yeah. what, what type of psychedelic experience? So this was doing ayahuasca. Oh, and you, you, my, you, wait, you did it? I did it, yeah. One of my business partners did it, and how did you feel about the spitting? Well, hopefully my mom doesn't listen to this podcast because she doesn't even believe that I've smoked weed before. So oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mom, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but no, I, I honestly – there's a whole world in psychedelics that is being experimented with now. You, you, I don't know if you've ever read or watched Michael Pollan. Have you? I've I I I know what you're referring to, but not not yes. in great depth. So Michael Pollan is the author of the Omnivore's Dilemma, which is more about nutrition, and then he wrote um, 
how to change your mind and that's all about psychedelics and he's been featured on bill maher and and probably some other media outlets uh and he explains what psychedelic what psychedelics do to your brain and and ayahuasca in particular which is dmt um and it helps dissolve the ego and when it comes to psychology a lot of the times that we fuck up in life is because of our ego and because we think too fast and we don't realize our blind spots and our, the things that we dissociate from and, and repress. And, and so when you dissolve your ego, now this is not for everybody. So don't, you can't just go do ayahuasca. You have to do your research and, and really understand that if this is not for you and if you feel kind of, um, anxious about it or nervous, you should not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my experience was was more for understanding the layers of consciousness that I have, and I was I, I was ready to do it. I was the, you know, the 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 guy that I did it with. His name is Elish, and he is actually started off as a powerlifting trainer, and and now is kind of a modern day shaman and is going to Peru and hosting ayahuasca ceremonies and and all this other stuff that is beyond what I know about psychedelics. Um, but we did, he and I did some breath work beforehand and this was in my apartment. It was just me and him. And I had to fast. I had to do a fast for the whole day. And, and there was a music component to it, all instrumentals. And we turned the lights off. We meditated for about an hour and did holotropic breathing work where you take, it's just circular breathing. It's, you know, you breathe in and you do that 30 times. This is similar to Wim Hof, which I just did mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago or a week ago. Um, so you breathe, you do, you do 30 breaths and then on the 30th one you hold at the, at the bottom of your exhale and um, there's, there's a period of time that goes by and the first, you, know, so you don't even realize that you, you could be holding your breath for 90 seconds, two minutes, or even more. And so we would go through cycles of that. And that elicited a whole different bodily response of just through breathing. You feel euphoria. You feel, you feel levitated. You feel tingly. You feel, you feel really good and very present. And then, and then we would take, we took the DMT and then we did more meditation. And then about an hour into that, we sat up, we discussed our experience. We definitely were hallucinating that the, the texture of everything in my apartment changed and everything that we were talking about was felt so real and visceral. It moved through you in such a different way. And you had this deep, I had this deep appreciation of just being everything was so still that it was vibrating. And I, there was one moment in, in, in this trip where Ellis told me to look at my hand and my hand was just so profound and s- such a unique part of me. And, and, you know, this, it was crazy. And then I started to look at my arm and my arm started to dissolve into the atmosphere. And it, it almost like floated off my, 
my body. <laughs> I was like, wow. and then I was like, okay, I think I need to lay back down and meditate because it's getting a little crazy. And, um, but, you know, that went on for several hours. But did you do and, the, do you know, do you, have you heard the stories of what happens when you do it, you know, in front of the, is it the shaman or, or who would you, the, the, the head of the experience? Are you familiar with yeah. this, with the spitting? So, so yes, there, there, there are different variations of ayahuasca. There's the actual most potent form that is experienced usually in, in, in Brazil or Peru, like that, that come from the indigenous tribes that go and actually find the plants in the forest or in the Amazon. Mm -hmm. That, that is the most potent you know, you might be vomiting, you might be like shitting yourself. I, I'm not sure. We didn't do that version. <laughs> we did the more measured version, and it's called Farmawaska. He had a whole scale and brought all these tools and made sure, based on my experiences in the past, like how much I should take in order for me to have a more mild experience and not vomit, which was what I was looking for. I didn't want to go full, full fledged. Um, you know, I had I had my concerns. I was very conscious of them. I was ready to do it, but I didn't want to go and and take too much. So, so it was a milder version, and I've definitely I'm definitely willing to do it again. I, I think, uh, you know, do the whole the whole version and be out in nature next time I do it. Mm -hmm. But I, at the same time, I'm not I'm not. I think this could be achieved through breathwork. I really do. You don't have to do ayahuasca to get this this type of euphoric feeling and, and feeling so present. You can really do it through breathing. Right. And right. Um, we are human beings are so powerful, and 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 the breath is something that we lose. It's the, it's the first thing that we lose when we're stressed. It's so and true. So, do you do you, do you see a lot of your clients with awful breathing patterns? Oh, all the time. I mean, it's it's just it's it's autonomous. I mean, as soon as I mean in fitness, right? You're working out hard. You automatically start breathing through your mouth. Um, anytime your body starts overheating or you're stressed, you start breathing through your mouth more. And in fitness, when you're when you're particular and your the goal is to stress your body and to tire you out, mm -hmm. that's what happens. Um, and, and but you know. So when it comes to working out, I think the best certification that I've done so far was Strong First because they actually talk about the breathing and how it can help. And I think Strong First does a good job of really articulating it and, and making it useful to use beyond the certification. And I mean, it's, it's just so, it's so, it's just so fundamental that it's, it's, it's just a good reminder. It's not like they're, it's not like they're like, rocket scientists telling you oh my god the you the breath it's like come on we've we've always known this but it, it we've just lost it and they've they reestablished the importance of it i thought i thought that was great um but but i think i notice a lot when i stretch my clients and they're they're their body's so tight and i tell them just exhale like relax like really just put space in between your thoughts and let your body relax 
and and then you see like they're actually able to stretch a little bit more and to feel and and that if that if i could provide that for a client i mean that that, that's like one moment in their day that they're actually going to breathe i mean that's really special to me oh yeah and oh yeah and so i think i anecdotally I, i i breathe throughout my day just to slow down if someone pisses me off i'm like okay breathe (laughs) how do you want to react to this situation is that a good reaction no be logical breathe you know (laughs) that happens probably 30 times in my day but are you a hot-tempered person i mean maybe i guess i guess so i am i come from an italian background you know short-tempered you know stubborn italians hey i'm italian i'm italian and i'll tell you that anyone who knows me knows i'm the most patient individual i'm just kidding i'm just because you trained yourself yeah i'm totally kidding kidding. Uh, if anyone listening to this would say if i could call in right now i would call in and say that's a damn lie but no but i did i honestly it took i'm no peach and i certainly haven't arrived but it's taken a lot of work I think I just got you know no no please please I I I gotta mention I gotta mention two of my clients who trained with you Michael Karsh oh yeah and and JB oh yeah I know that they're gonna end up listening to this but they have they've experienced the Mark Magna like the the Mark Magna rally I think all the the anger that you might have inside you you package it up and you coach it out and you just tell them but JB's like <laughs> JB JB came back from training with you and he's like Rach we did not rest at all <laughs> that's not true see any trainer listening to this is going to say well that's not scientifically uh, that's not positive and that's not good because you need rest but uh, there was rest involved it might not have been long bouts of rest but there was rest well here's involved. the thing here's the thing JB JB is talkative you know He's a talkative guy. He loves people, and, and we train hard. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. There will be an occasion, you know, occasional like, you know, joke here. We'll chat it up about something that happened in the day, and then I'm like, all right, JB, you gotta get, you gotta get back. Let's start this next set, and and, and then he's like, oh, I can't wait to meet Mark. I'm gonna chat it up. We're gonna be buds. I'm like, all right, good luck. With that. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Michael, Michael is. You know, I just saw one of the videos that you posted. Like, you did like 90 seconds of trap bar deadlifts or oh, yeah. 75 seconds, just like reps and reps. And we, we don't really go beyond like 10 reps or 12 reps. And, and so he's like, he said his legs were just like jello the next day. That guy's so fit. That, by the way, you did a great job with both of them because they're both very fit. I mean, you know, they're both great performing uh trained individuals so you did a great job oh you you you've influenced oh my my programming in a big way i think i think it's a huge compliment to you i I, I, i've rode so much because of you and and i see i see michael even even um even gary you train gary yeah gary's a psycho rower now oh man he's He's on the rower he did thirty six thousand meters on his 36th birthday. Oh, I mean, man, like, that's great. And this, I love so that. here's a funny story. Here's a funny story. This will tie in Todd and Gary. Hmm, that's a great idea. <laughs> Just give me a great idea, by the way. Wow. Oh, oh God. <laughs> um, sorry for all your clients who are yeah, turning a, a number that's idea. reasonable to do on the road. 
Um, so Gary, thirty-six birthday, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do twenty-five k on the road. Sounds like a good number, and it'll take me this amount of time. I could get to work, whatever. I'm, I'm kind of telephoning the story, but he texted it to Todd, and Todd's like, What the heck? You just turned thirty-six, right? And that's twenty-five, right? Like, doesn't make any sense. And so it was just <laughs> eating away at Gary the whole day, and 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 so but he get, he gets back to his 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 place he's like i gotta do the other 11k so he did the other 11k and said said todd a text i was just, just like oh so he broke it up he didn't do it all at once he didn't do it all at once because he he, oh. he was like he wasn't planning on doing 36k Got for his it. birthday he's Understood. like 25 sounds good i want to get a good rowing workout 25 is yeah. like a half marathon pretty much see that was a and classic jab to prompt that reaction which he fell for the bait like yesterday, Todd <laughs> threw that out there so he could mind screw him, and he he actually got it across, and so Gary had to go back. So oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, that that's funny. great. Well, man, I'm so, I'm turning forty three, so you know what that means. It's got to be a ha- it's got to be a marathon. On when's your birthday? Tuesday. Your birthday is Tuesday. Tuesday. So that's wow. why you just gave me a great idea, but to do the wow. I'm going to have to, wow, that's tricky. Interesting. <laughs> oh, my God. Interesting. That's very interesting. So now i got to figure out when to wake up, the whole deal. Man, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can I'm sure you can calculate that one out. Oh, yeah. But you got to make sure, you, you you know, like I remember you did a half marathon one day and then it didn't record or something oh. like that. You did it again. Oh, my God. That was, people still tell that story. That was a rough 24 hours. I, I, oh I, my was, God. I was, yeah, I was supposed to do the, it was, it was 2000 and then the remainder. So you do 2K fast, you could grade on your 2K time, but then mm-hmm. your overall time of the two. So what you do is you set your monitor for 2K and then the remainder mm-hmm. of a half marathon, which mm-hmm. is like 1997, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I did, uh, I think I did the whole marathon or something and, and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't programmed the right way regard whatever it was and mm-hmm. garage athlete Justin Farina he j- immediately jumped on and he said hey man those he's such a positive guy he goes those are great times but I don't know how to tell this to you that that wasn't right you got to do it again oh my god and I and, and when I read it I was so proud and I'm sitting on the terrace outside in Miami it's beautiful out in the morning I'm just so happy, you know, I'm feeling myself. And I read his text and I said, what do you mean? And and I kind of already know what he means. And I was like, yeah, you got to do it again because it, it's supposed to be programmed this way. And I was thinking, oh my, God. my heart sank. It was like Sunday morning. I was going to spend the day, you know, with my wife and I'm going to have a great day. And I just realized like he just ninjaed my day and my day was over. So I immediately went into planning for the next day mode. And I was like, wow. oh, man, this is going to be rough. Wow. Justin Farina for the for the win there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so wow. look, yeah. I've had you on for, for an hour, and I can't thank you enough for going through this again. And I think we really hit on some cool things. And this could probably go another four hours. Um, you oh, see, absolutely. Yeah, really, I, I agree really, with that. Really. Um, but I want to get the, the questions in so people can get to know you a little bit more. 
Oh, sure. Let's okay. do it. Fire them out. Okay. Favorite food? Oh, this one again. I, I, I'm going with pasta. Pa- pasta. Rigatoni pasta with my mom's sauce and and uh, that's it. Nice. Closing that one up. All right. Cool. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Casino. Nice. Robert De Niro. Nice. Music. Favorite artist or favorite uh, genre? Mm, favorite music. I'm going to have to go with old school hip hop. Nice. 90s and early 2000s. Okay. Right on. A lot of Dre. In That's there, not right? old school, really. Yeah. I mean, not it's funny 90s. because. When I put Dre on, Dr. Dre on, people are like, who is this? I'm like, don't even mess with me. Stop it. Oh, my gosh. I said, stop Who it. doesn't know who Dr. Yeah. Dre is? Like, can't come to anatomy anymore. Yeah. How do you not know who Dr. Dre is in his music? You know, oh, the guy. You, you know what they say? Oh, the guy that does beats. Like wow. Sometimes I go to high schools and I go, oh, those are Jordans, right? Those are the Jordan sneakers. I'm like, Michael Jordan was actually a basketball player first, by the way. <laughs> like, And he's actually a pretty good one. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, look him up. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Favorite book? Favorite book. Uh, I remember last time, and this is the first one that came to my head, Think Fast and Slow, Daniel Kahneman. That's right. Nice. Your favorite sport? To, I guess, to watch Hold to on. play. First favorite sport to watch and then favorite sport to, to play. Favorite sport to watch is basketball. Mm-hmm. Favorite sport to play. Ooh. Gymnastics or running? Gymnastics or running. Sweet. Ah, I mean, yes. Let's just, yeah, those two. You can choose two. Favorite body part to train. Then favorite exercise, but I guess one might give away the other. I would say glutes, but only in my Gymshark pants. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm nice, just kidding. Nice, I'm just kidding. Nice, nice, plug, <laughs> nice plug. Nice plug. Nice plug. <laughs> plug city. I do not own <laughs> a pair of Gymshark uh, apparel. I, I think one of my it, favorite... By the way, you will now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is hilarious. No, I, I won't even get into that, but... I I like training hamstrings. Hamstrings okay. underrated. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we hit on that. They they they're they're not they're neglected, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um favorite uh movement though. So like deadlift, favorite squat, movement. squat. Front squats. Front squats do not train the hamstrings, but that's my favorite exercise. Front squat, that's a good I mean one. I guess they do a little bit, but not yeah, they do. Not the main thing. Okay. Favorite athlete. This is going to be a no-brainer because you're from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, of course. Are you from LeBron. Cleveland, Ohio? I'm from a- – uh, no, I'm not, I'm not even from Akron. I'm from Youngstown. That's right. We is, totally said that. It's about an hour and a half east of Cleveland. But I went to Akron. LeBron LeBron um, went to St. Vincent, St. Mary in Akron. And um, best athlete ever. Do you know – Okay, calm down with the best athlete ever. Do you know your your most popular football alum? Popular football alum at Akron? Yeah. Ooh, I know they are our, our, our 
I think defensive coordinators were from Pittsburgh. That's all. That's all I knew. Jason Taylor, maybe Hall of Fame oh, defensive oh, end. Oh, like players, players. Yeah. That's like my coaching staff. Oh, Jason. Yeah, I know Jason oh, Taylor. I gave you the answer. Uh, <laughs> all right. But to be honest, I, I would I would probably have to think about it and then look it up. So okay. Do you have a favorite uh, performance coach that you follow? Ooh, I'm kind of like uh, I feel like it's so overkill to just follow a bunch of um, performance coaches. I, maybe I'm I'm a little jaded, but I, I worked with Nicole Rodriguez. I mentioned her last time. Oh, I yeah, think she's right. great. She's she's really smart. She worked at Exos for quite some time, and 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 was brought into the field through Mike Boyle, who's also known as a very smart fitness person. So, yes, Nicole Rodriguez. Okay. Do you have a favorite Instagram inspiration, or if you want to name a few that we should be following? Uh, let me think here. Well, I know, I, I think you're – this is going to sound a little cliche, but you're my, you're my Instagram inspiration. And, 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 and maybe I could throw Justin Farina in there. Garage athlete. Yeah. Okay. Are you, are you there? Yeah. Still there? I, I'm just surprised that you put me into this category. Why are you surprised? I don't know. I'm not used to hearing that, but I, I, I don't, I don't text I, and DM all the people that I follow. I know that. I know that. And I appreciate it, but seriously, I think everyone that I know follows you now because they're wondering what person in their right mind rose a 2K every day for time, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, Wait, uh, are you talking about me? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> I say, did that for some time. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and then I remember befriending Garage Athlete, and I was like, he's like, I, I posted the 2K warm up and I would tag you and, and, and Justin and, and Justin would just send me crying faces. He's like, you're so, this is so dumb. Why yeah. are you doing this? This is torture. It's like watching the Titanic go down. <laughs> I'm like, man. I, I've gotten better with the program. You gotta, you gotta tell Karsh, by the way, you should send him a text and tell him to stop doing 10Ks. He can't stop doing them. Oh my God. That's all he wants to do. I'm like, if you want to get better at your 10K, you gotta stop doing them all the time. That's right. That's right. So. I mean, do you? I mean, do you go out and run? I know you think you're Terry Fox, but do you go and run a marathon every day? <laughs> no. No, I, I ran one. And I was done after that. Exactly. Okay. Uh, what's your biggest challenge as a professional, as a fitness wellness professional? As a fitness and wellness professional, is is recognizing this is always this is a lifelong lesson uh recognizing my defenses and and my ego and how it plays into my decisions okay. and that's that's a that's that's a big one and, and and i think another hurdle that i mentioned last time is is being fatalistic and thinking that we're all we all have a determined fate and I'm not talking about everything happens for a reason, you know, what you read in like people magazine. Um, I'm talking about, you know, this tongue in cheek axiom that people use. Everything happens for a reason. Uh, that, you know, like that means someone 
has strings on your fate. And I don't believe that. But there's another realm of being fatalistic of looking at your your upbringing and your parents' behavior and recognizing the character characteristics that you have from them and thinking that I will always be like them. Mm-hmm. I will always end up making decisions like them. And that's just not true. And I have to some, separate myself from that. Not that I don't love and want to be like my parents. There, there are definitely characteristics that I adore. Mm-hmm. And the, But oh, like any human being, we all have some flaws. I mean, I could put my mine out on a list right now, which we won't do that here. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to get that list on another podcast, but, um, <laughs> okay. Do you have a favorite quote? Favorite quote. I was ready for this one. And this is just my favorite quote right now. I'm not going to give you, I don't know what my favorite quote of all times. It's like asking somebody like what, your favorite pizza spot is in New York, which I know you're going to ask that too. Right. Um, so my favorite quote, I'm going to take it from Jordan Peterson because I'm reading the book right now and I really appreciate his attention to detail and communication. And the quote is, and he's, he's talking about thinking and thought here. Mm-hmm. He says, thinking is emotionally painful as well as physio- physiologically demanding more so than anything else except not thinking. So that's my favorite quote right now. Mm. And I think it's, 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 it definitely speaks to how people repress and, and ignore their blind spots and omit certain words from their conversations to almost hold up this ideal that they unconsciously hold. And when you don't critically think it then tie it turns into this soft anxiety that you carry with you and until you address them and actually think about them they will stay around so i think that's a great quote that i will probably use as as somewhat of a mantra in my day-to-day life Hmm. awesome what's well first of all i want to give you a softball before you enter the next one favorite pizza place in new york city (laughs) <laughs> man let me think I know I mean there's a lot okay, of people Joe, who really want to hear this so be careful I know okay there's Joe's Pizza in Greenwich Village which is really good and and that's kind of like a staple and everybody knows about that one but there's also there's also Grimaldi's in in, in, um, in, in Soho Mm. And that's also a really good restaurant. Got it. You know how you judge a good slice of pizza, right? My friend told me this. He's from Italy, and he flew in an oven to put in his restaurant from the city that made the first pizza. He told me this. Do you know how you judge a good pizza? No. I don't know if you can use the word quality, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. By the quality of the blisters on the crust. Wow. I know, right? That's pretty, I mean, this is this this could warrant a whole another podcast. I know, I know. I know. A pizza I'm gonna, crust. I'm going to have you uh, <laughs> evaluation. Randy Frankel, Jonathan Chabin, <laughs> Food God. I'm going to have everyone on and we start talking Food pizza. God. Yeah. Oh man, this he, would be great. Yeah. Okay, Rachel, what's next for you? What's next for me in my career? Mm-hmm. 
What's next for me is is getting licensed as a therapist. I'm still under a limited permit, and I want to expand on my psychology practice as well as continue to train people. And I need I need that in my life. Also, it's very positive for me, and um, and to really start building out um, a either. A, a website or I mean not a website but a, a forum where I can talk more about mental health and with bigger groups of people mm. and, and 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 create energy around that I think that that's that's what's next for me nice nice okay last question promise if you could give one piece of advice to a young person who's coming through the ranks and being, it could be, doesn't really matter, like pursuing their career, whatever it may be. What piece of advice would you give a young person who's on their path, going through the journey and, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard for them. It's hard for everyone starting out. What's one piece of advice you would give them? I, I would say whatever industry you're going into is to pick three to five people who are the best in that industry and learn from them and really just absorb everything that they're saying while also having the background truth voice telling you this is what I want and if it's not what you want you really need to listen to that mm-hmm. because because if it's not and you're going in a direction of this is kind of what I want I mean, that that's that's I mean just to finish that if, if it's only kind of what you want you're not going to be the best at it that's right. You can so, say say that again for everyone out there. That that's so on I, point. Please. What I'm saying is, if it's only fifty percent of what you want, you will never be the best at it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be the best at something, you really have to listen to your internal dialogue and critically think. And 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 sometimes it's hard to do that. Now I you know I don't want to shame all the people who are in a place that I'm not sure because it really is hard. There's so much information out there. But you just start to recognize patterns and what you enjoy, and 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 then take that leap. Mm-hmm. Take that leap. If you if you screw up, it's going to be okay. That's it's right. going to be okay, and you can redirect yourself into something and give yourself a pat on the back for trying. That's so right. you, you know it's it's easier said than done. But listen to that little voice in your head that says, "I really like this." It'll you know you, there are certain things that just ring really true with you, and and if you're not sure, maybe. Just wait a little bit, recognize the patterns. If it keeps coming up, then go after it. That's great advice. Great advice. Rachel, thank you so much for making time to be on. I really appreciate it. I can't wait for this to go out. And um, we'll have you on again to discuss some serious mental health issues, some serious training protocols, and serious slices of pizza. Oh, I'm all for that. Maybe we'll do it in Miami. That would be great. After the Tony Robbins weekend. When, When you start working for anatomy. With, exactly, with anatomy. With anatomy. <laughs> All right. Thank Definitely. you so much, Rich. You're the best. All right, All right. Mark. All right. You too. Happy All right. training, my easy. friend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye.